Hi, I'm Sean L. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. In 2020, Tom Papa released his fourth stand-up comedy special, and first for Netflix, called You're Doing Great! And Tom Papa is doing great. He's a regular performer on NPR, starring in his own segment on the weekly syndicated show Live From Here, as well as a recording role on the panel for the NPR quiz show Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me! He also has a weekly Sirius XM show and podcast featuring his funny friends called Come to Papa. That's not to be confused with the NBC sitcom he once starred in called Come to Papa, or his former NBC reality show with Jerry Seinfeld called The Marriage Ref, or Papa's current weekday Sirius XM talk show he co-hosts with Fortune Feimster for the Netflix is a Joke radio channel called What a Joke with Papa and Fortune. Did I mention Papa's bread-baking show for the Food Network or his books? His second book, You're Doing Great! And other reasons to stay alive is available for pre-orders and more online now. Papa sat down with me at SiriusXM's Los Angeles offices to break it all down and build us all up. So let's get to it. <laughs> so what are you doing out here? I'm out here for this. Nice. I'm out here because. When uh, people from Los Angeles come to New York, they're too busy to schedule another interview. Oh. But if I come out to L.A., uh, people have plenty of time to lollygag, yeah. and you can just go meet them wherever they are. Yeah. In this case, I'm with Tom Papa in the Sirius XM studios in Los Angeles. Yeah. How do you like it out here? I I feel not like imposter syndrome, but I mm-hmm. I feel like I'm very much a New Yorker. Yeah. When it I'm definitely, it definitely, because takes I'm not in adjusting. shape. I don't. <laughs> yeah, you don't like the sun. You're very fair skinned. <laughs> I don't. I don't think about how I look in less clothing. Yeah, it is a bit of a thing. You don't even like realize it's happening to you when you're out here, and then mm-hmm. slowly, like I would never wear Vans to out of the house. But you've become that person. But you know, it just it's contagious. That's all style is, really. It's just massive peer pressure, right? Like, when you're in New York, you're, like, wearing black, not because you're in the mood to, but because everybody else is doing it, and we're all still in high school. (laughs) Oh, I thought it was because it was slimming. No. New York doesn't care about slimming. (laughs) Well, before we get too far, uh, let me just say, you are doing great. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. You are, too. Well, I, I mean, there's... You know, I mentioned this in my review of your special that's out on Netflix. Now you're doing great. There's a bit where you talk about um, confiding in one of your daughters in the middle of the night about, like, wondering if everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. But your schedule right now is so busy. How could it not be okay? Like, you have so many different things going on yeah. right now. Yeah. I'm in a – for the last couple of years, I've been in this very, um, very intense work mode, for sure, mm-hmm. because – most of the work entails writing. and Right, you're the head writer for a public radio show, Live From Here. Yeah, um, I was the head writer. Now, oh. now they've get, gotten away from the sketches. Okay. They're not doing the sketches, so there is no head writer. But I still do my monologue out in America on Live From Here every, t- every week I appear. Um, and that takes, that's, you know, seven minutes of original 
stand-up, essentially. Right. It's going out nationwide. So, so you, yeah. you need to make sure it's... And I don't run it. Just, so yeah. I've got to just do it that night. So I've got to, in my head, like just keep rewriting it, rewriting it, rewriting it. Oh, right. And then... Yeah, you can't just try that out at the store. No. I mean, you could, I guess. It would be weird. I could probably go to a, like a smaller club or something. But it's it's. I'm just too busy on it, writing mm-hmm. it. And I have it. You know, I do it. I, I can... I can dial it in, but it just takes a lot. And between that, and it was the head writer thing leading up to last year, so that was dealing with the sketch stuff also. Mm-hmm. And then I had my first book come out, and then I rolled right into the next book, which was really the bear. You know, that was the the that was the thing that prevented me from watching a movie on mm-hmm. a plane for the last two years. <laughs> you know, like every time I'm, I have a free moment, I have to open up my laptop and and be writing. And then the act, you know, so it's like, I really feel like if you're not right, if I'm not writing, I feel like I'm on vacation. Well, I heard you on another podcast, a much more popular podcast than mine, mm. uh, the Joe Rogan Experience. Oh, yes. Talk I'm... about how you're a person who craves routine, though. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah. Or I don't enjoy having it because it allows you to be like, okay, from this time to this time, I'm going to sit down and write. Yeah. I, th- I've, 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 I, I, I learned through many people who've been down the road before mm-hmm. us that um routine allows you the space to do what you have to do and it's like if you're just and for everything like working out for doing your podcast for writing if you're structured into like a routine then you'd have very you don't have you you don't allow yourself to play hooky as much like mm-hmm. if i'm saying i'm working out i'll work out some point today <laughs> all right good luck <laughs> but if you're like eight o'clock to eight thirty, that's when I'm working out, mm-hmm. you know. And then I go to that meeting, ba ba ba, and you have it, and you do that every morning, and you have a routine. You're more apt to do it. So with writing, there's this great book called uh, Daily Rituals, which I, you should really grab. Okay. I forget the author. It was it was more like an editor because they mm-hmm. just compiled. Oh no, they wrote about it. Uh, all these different artists' daily rituals of how they. What they would do, and the really the thing you you see from all these writers and artists is that they really had a structure. Like some would get up at noon and you know drink till four, and then like start working at night. But <laughs> but and others would do the thing in the morning. And but it was right. plenty but, of comedians love to joke about the fact that they only work an hour or twenty minutes yeah. a day. Yeah, but that that's not a successful life if that's really what you're doing. Yeah, right. Exactly. No. <laughs> Don't you feel like comedians are working harder than ever before now? Like, yeah, because they have to. There's, yeah, there's so many more comedians now than ten years ago, mm-hmm. and there's so many more outlets because we've demanded and created them. For yeah, ourselves. right. Exactly. <laughs> podcasts like this. Yeah. YouTube or satellite radio. Yeah, and, and just creating content for Instagram and yeah. and Twitter and yeah, it's. You have to really, there's no excuse. There, there are more than sufficient comedians I already know who, I think they're broadcasting Instagram stories every day. Amazing. Like they're programming their own real reality yeah. show. The one I'm really like focused on right now is Kreischer. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's non. it's, he's living the Truman show. Well, he's, he is the machine. So. Yeah, he is the machine. But man, I mean, he's got that camera on himself. 24 hours a day it's amazing and it works i mean there's something to it there's it makes you think like all right well am i foolish for not turning this camera on me myself all the time 
but uh, you got to be built for it, I think. Well, so here's a, here's a question. Since I'm asking questions, sure. Uh, what does you're doing great mean for you? Uh, for me, you mean like it, in what like regard? the self affirmation? Like I'm doing great as a yeah. as a person, as a comedian, as a right, right father, as a husband. You're doing great is really a matter of perspective, and it's. I think we have because of social media and mm-hmm. stuff. I think we have this um, skewed idea of what doing great means right. and what a successful life means, and we seem to be caught up in this hyper. I don't want to say pure capitalist thing, but that's a part of it. But we just have this expectation that we've got to be, we all have to be millionaires and get on private jets or else everything's just garbage. And that's not really it. it you really have to skew your perspective. And a simple life is really what wins. And I really do believe that if you pay attention to the small things and cut the noise out, you and appreciate not all the time like it's, it's not like you, i'm saying you have to walk around blissed out of your mind but if you can just quietly appreciate a cup of coffee or that you that we get to sit and say hello to each other for a morning mm-hmm. or that you know that you get to fly out here i mean this is like you're doing pretty great and you shouldn't lose track of that because while we're filled with all this angst and going 100 miles an hour, life is flying by you. And these are the good parts. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's going to be soon where you're going to be like, what the hell just happened? Right. And I spent right. all my time watching cable news and worried about what was happening in parts of the world that I couldn't affect. Man, I blew it. I should have been, I should have been going out and having coffee and, and a bagel with my friends <laughs> and appreciating it when I do it. That is the one thing that's tough for me personally to reconcile. Mm-hmm. Like I can, when I'm having a good day, I can sit back and have gratitude for where I'm at and what I have instead of resenting what I don't have. Yeah. But where, where I lose track and perhaps social media and cable television mm-hmm. is to blame for that is reconciling my own personal, I'm doing great with. Yeah looking at the world and going, oh, the world's not doing great. Right. So how do I feel good about myself when everything? When right. I know that there are people who are suffering? Yeah, but newsflash, there's always been suffering. There's always been massive suffering, and at a scale much greater than what's happening right now. Right. So, you know, we're just digesting. Like I say in my act, we're the first human brains that, has to, that have to deal with this. Like, my parents watch the news at 6 o'clock till 6.30, Maybe they looked at the paper for 10 minutes before they went to work. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Then the rest was dealing with their life. They weren't seeing the pain of a child in Syria, you know, to, or, every time they opened their phone. Or even a child in Arizona. Yeah. In a cage. Anything. Yeah. Anybody else is suffering. I mean, it, it does exist. And we have to, you know, there, that's a, you know, there's been some people recently that have written some great stuff of, of highlighting how much better it is right now actually mm-hmm. as a human being on the planet and the poverty rates are changing and stuff. Are we going to get rid of all the suffering? No. But so why should you have to look, if you, if you were, if you uh, were moved to go do something mm-hmm. and go to Arizona and help this child, then okay, you've got, you're active. It's right. going to be healthy. But for you just to absorb it 
and just feel shitty right, and know that you can't do anything about it. When I'm in Queens, New York. Yeah, and eat a donut and just be sad. What, what good is that? <laughs> really? Right, that doesn't help anybody. No, it doesn't. So you're better off being happy and dealing with what you right. can and affecting the people around you. So anyway, it's all just perspective. Right. And I think that it was just a bit of um, I live that way. And I just wanted the the act to be that way. I was like, what's wrong with having my stand-up be less cynical and more positive? Like, let me let me lean into it. Right. And people seem to be responding to it. Well, there's also, you know, a long, long-held, long-standing position of comedy as being an escape. Mm-hmm. As being a way to be like, you don't need to worry about everything else that's happening for this hour, hour and a half that you're in a comedy club or a theater, mm-hmm. because we're going to remind you that life is crazy and ridiculous. Yeah. And you're okay. Yeah. It's a weird if thing, not, isn't if it? It's not great. You're yeah. at least okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Until, yeah. The, until the, the waitress drops the check. And then you're not okay. <laughs> and then you're not okay and you're back to it. And it's a weird thing because comedy deals with talking about all this stuff. So it's not like for an hour you go into a spa and get a massage and escape. Mm. It's like we kind of have to walk this tightrope of we are dealing with it and we are talking about it all, but we're also tr- right. giving you it. I mean, what, but, but I mean, isn't that the essence of why comedy is valuable is that we're able to laugh at tragedy or laugh at ourselves. I think that's a healthy way to live. You know, being able to laugh at least gives you some kind of defense against it all. Yeah. Getting back to you and your own sense of how you're doing. Yes. You know, going back through your resume, I'm sure there were probably periods where the younger Tom Papa thought he was doing great. Mm -hmm. You know, getting an NBC series, Uh come, Come to Papa, or again with Marriage Ref, you're like, oh, I'm doing great. I'm on TV. Yeah. But in retrospect, probably feeling you're doing so much better now than then yeah but it's reconcile those moments it's kind of cumulative like it um you know i think the power of being a Mm stand-up is that you have some control over being able to work in show business so you have these things that pop up movies or tv shows or things opportunities and you know, a lo- most of them are short-lived. Very few, like, go for 10 years, mm-hmm. go for a long time and get you a, a mansion in Beverly Hills. <laughs> right? I mean, those are very few. Um, the rest of us have to take your shots and get what you can out of it and then and then keep going. And it really, I learned early on that it was when Come to Papa was canceled. Like, I, it was this crazy ride. It's a very long story. And it ended up airing as a summer series. Back yeah. When, back when that was the traditional route for yeah. shows that weren't. Yeah, they, they were just places. burning them off. Yeah. yeah, and get some advertising dollars and just whatever. And uh, and I remember being like, well, that was weird after two and a half years or whatever. Like, wow, I almost got on the air and Steve Carell ended up in my show somehow as, a, as an audition for The Office. It was just so weird. But I literally, within like two or three months was driving back onto the lot mm-hmm. at NBC to do stand-up on The Tonight Show. And that really clicked with me. I was like, oh, they really can't stop me. Like, if I'm funny and right. keep hustling and don't get discouraged, as a stand-up, I don't have to wait for another show to come and development and meetings with people. All I have to do is get seven minutes of material, be ready to kill, and come back onto their network 
And I was so I always kept that in mind as I went through. And so when the marriage ref or uh, successful films came out or anything good or bad right. happened, the the backstop is that I am a comedian, and that you can't you can't stop that. Only I can stop that. How much did I know back then? You were touring a lot with Jerry Seinfeld. How much did like watching how he reacted to success and how he was? He I learned so much from him. And when people ask like, "What, what right. what's your break?" I always say that it was meeting Jerry because he took me under his wing, and I I learned not only like I learned everything, not how to carry yourself, how to deal with people backstage, how to write how to be on stage how to deal with the audience how to deal with the business how to not take things so seriously when to take things seriously um just i learned i i I knew what i was involved in being around him Mm -hmm. i knew what a blessing it was to be with you know the most successful comedian uh and so i just i didn't take it lightly i was going to absorb it like a sponge I was like, I had all eyes and ears were open and I was, I was, uh, taking it all in. So he, he, I always call him the comedy chiropractor because he, if whenever you, I would feel a little weird about whatever my business and just, I don't know, just anxiety. I would just call him without him knowing. And he would just talk about, eventually he loves talking about comedy. Eventually he would talk about being a stand-up comedian. It was like being adjusted. You'd hang up the phone with him or walk away from the diner with him and be like, Wow, how lucky am I that I'm a comedian? <laughs> he just really he he would he would mentally adjust me. Right, you could be you could be a working stiff. You could be a yeah. I mean, how lucky? Yeah, yeah. Sitting sitting in a cubicle or being in a factory or being an actor, even worse. <laughs> Waiting for somebody to give you a part. Ugh. You know, we sort of mentioned this earlier, but you know, we both come from. A generation that grew up not having to think about being on Instagram or mm-hmm. having a podcast and all of this stuff. So yeah. you could you, you could have that kind of more blissful sense of, like you said, com- going from the sitcom to immediately getting back on the lot and doing the Tonight Show. Yeah. And not having to worry about everything else that's going on. Mm-hmm. Now it feels as though because of social media, we're exposed to what everybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. And so that maybe adds the anxiety of sure. where am I at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can literally compare yourself to everybody. You yeah. know, if you're sitting in a if you're sitting in a small club and for some reason that late show didn't only sold half of the room and you're like, oh, it's okay. And they're like, yeah, you know, it's okay. No one ever sells it. Yeah, okay. And then you <laughs> open Sunday up. Sunday nights are always slow at this club. Right, right, right. And then you open up your your phone for a second because you're bored and feeling lonely mm-hmm. and want some human connection. And you see Joe Coy holding up his camera at the forum with 20,000 people <laughs> around him. Yeah, you've, you've got to... You got to deal with that. <laughs> it's a really, I mean, it is. It's we're, we're all back in high school. I watch my daughters deal with the same thing. Um, it's no different. It's really no different. Right. But it's it's all in our face. And you, it's. I mean, look, it always existed. You, always, I'm sure people always knew that Jay Leno was, you know, about to get to the Tonight Show, and the, and the other guys at the comedy store were pissed off about it. The news gets to you. Yeah, this is more in our face. But you can also manage it, you know, and also you have to, you just have to 
what in whatever way that you can, you have to compartmentalize it and deal with it. And I think the biggest, one of the biggest things that could destroy you as a comedian is being too involved in other people's stuff. And I remember like coming up when I, when I truly did not care any longer about what other people were getting, it allowed me to be more free and then good things started happening. When I was young and balled up about like, oh, I can't believe they got that festival and I didn't. I can't believe they got Conan right. and I didn't. Right. It was like yeah, that. New that, people, it's new faces. Like, yeah, that could kill you. That really could. That could really make you shut down. When you don't care about anybody, that's really. And I think that still carries like as you go through your career. But you know, the other side of it, it's healthy to see what other people are doing, so you can. Yeah you know be inspired to work harder i feel like a, a major difference for the younger comedians now is though they can still be bitter about not getting new faces or not getting a tonight show set but the reality is i don't think you need those things as much to yeah to succeed yeah that's i mean right They're not the be-all end-alls that they were no. in the 90s no not at all the, the most impressive thing that i see from young comics are just young people mm-hmm. is that they no longer they know they no longer have to ask for permission to do anything <laughs> right right they don't have to get a meeting they don't have to get a manager they don't have to get a festival to say yes they don't have to have a tv show uh, audition them they can open their phone and create something and have a career it's a totally up to them Right. That's such an impressive although thing. Although there's so many other people doing that, that there's still an intense competition and a hustle that you need to do. Yeah. To stand out from everybody else who's doing that. Absolutely. And it's and you're not only competing with just the thousands of comedians, you're deal, you're competing with the entire planet now. Because yeah. <laughs> everyone's doing it. Like, my daughters, when we go for, like, ice cream, and they're, like, freaking out about some kid over there eating a frozen yogurt. I'm like, what? 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 And they're like, it's, they're on YouTube. They're a YouTube star. Oh or they're a TikToker. And I'm like, you know, that kid is more famous than I am. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's, it's exciting and it's nerve-wracking and it's weird and no one really knows where it's going. But I, it definitely – look, it's our job, I think, ultimately just to create. And that's all you can do is create and then the out, find the outlets for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's that basic thing is that doesn't change, you know. And some people, it's kind of like you know when they you, you read about um, or watch documentaries about media changing at any point, going from like the stage to radio to radio to TV. You know, it's like some people can make the transition and some couldn't. You know, like oh, right. right. Some people were able to, and when generations change, like. Uh, Radio stars who never made the leap to TV. Yeah, or like Bing Crosby not being able to like go into like the rock age. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like things, some people can navigate it, some people can't. It's always changing. Right. It, yeah, it does feel like we're almost in that kind of moment now. Yeah. Especially with social media rising up. Like social media was lifting the voices of comedians and now it's like looking to tear them down. Yeah, we brought you up, and now we're here to police you and yeah. decide yeah. if you're still okay. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. I know it is kind of hilarious. Um, how did you decide to like become a California person? 
Um, I always <laughs> said most I, of the years that I've knew you yeah. were a New York. Yeah, guy. and I'm still a New Yorker. I think in my heart. I um, well, you still I always all said your specials back in New York City or New you York. were the East Coast yeah. pretty much. Yeah, I well, it's yeah, the audiences are better. <laughs> I, I I think that uh, I think that I always said when I was. Coming up, I said, I'm, I'll go to L.A. when they come and get me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go just to go. I'm going to come when, they, when they're coming to get me. Okay. And that's what happened when I did a set on Conan and NBC for the Come to Papa mm-hmm. thing. They came and got me. And so I, that's when I started coming out here. And then I would have work here that would you know, be a project that was going to be a year or two. So I would stay here more than... Then New York, and then I would get like a smaller. Was the food show out here. Um, which show? The baking. The baking one was um, my. It was rooted here. The production company and everything kind of spawned from here. Okay. Um, but that was kind of all over the place. Okay. Because uh, it was a travel show, but um, yeah, like so, like I would, I would be here, and then the marriage ref brought me back east, and then. Uh, and then there was like another game show out here, and then there was a New York show on National Geographic that was back there, and and then times in between when I didn't have a project, I would just pick where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And my wife and I, you know, we love New York; it's it's our home, really. And but we had kids, and we could only go back and forth for so many years. And then at a certain point, the kids wanted friends, right? And they wanted <laughs> they want some stability. Yeah, they were like, you know, they they wanted to change schools every. Yeah, semester. they liked they liked having a yard and stuff, and so then we just kind of tipped the scales to L.A. Like probably I don't know six eight years ago, and we decided well let's just we had a very expensive rental in New York and we shut it down and that was the first time that we were like, oh we no longer have New York we've got this we're all in mm-hmm. in L.A. and we still go to New York a couple months of the year in the holidays in the mm-hmm. summer. But uh, family is still there because we have family there, and we just love it. We mm-hmm. just get drawn back there. And you know, my come to Papa show, the the live Sirius, show. the live Sirius XM show, I do that once a month in New York, so that brings me back there okay. all the time. Uh, but I just there. You still do when I look it back at it. Yeah, it's still okay. at the underground. And when I look look at it, it's and think like, was it the right move? Like tipping the scales here, it was. There was like, there's definitely. You know, this Netflix series show that I have and a couple other TV shows and things, things kind of happen just from being around out here. They do. Like, you kind of, like, stumble into stuff. Is that how the radio show happened? um, Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Because it was, um, I mean, maybe it would have happened back east. I don't know. I mean... Yeah, I guess well, we, I mean, could, Sirius, we could have done Sirius out there. Yeah, Sirius has a big. Yeah, but I wouldn't have been with Fortune. Right. You know, Fortune was here. Um, how did you I don't know. How I just did you seemed, two end up like getting one. connected? I just I just asked if she would do it. Oh. She was just, uh, you know, I needed somebody else to do the show with, mm-hmm. and and she was on a, a short list of or long list of potential like things that Netflix was to, people in Netflix was thinking about Mm -hmm. and i just as soon as i saw her name i was like i I don't have to look anymore like if she'll do it we're going Mm -hmm. because she's just all you need in a scenario like this if you're hosting something is is it someone that that makes you funnier is it someone that you 
get with and enjoy being with and you both are funny you know other people who are funny you just get around them and you're not it doesn't click they actually take some of your funny away <laughs> and we it's not like we were great friends we were just we just knew each other mm-hmm. incidentally but i just knew without a doubt it would work and i just enjoyed being around her and uh and it's 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 working right you're coming up on a year of, of that yeah um what do you what do you get out of one doing a show with fortune every mm-hmm. day but also doing a show where you're having other comedians come in and it's it's kind of a hybrid of a podcast and yeah. traditional old school morning radio yeah it is it really is it's uh a lot of people call it a podcast i think because podcast is just in the zeitgeist but well, also, but it also listen, feels like it you don't have to listen to it when it's no um, you can listen to episodes yeah exactly later. exactly it's not you know our, we don't really do much current news <laughs> it's all about hanging sometimes, with comedians sometimes and i will i will get this more from the video clips that end up on youtube yeah than from listening on the radio yeah yeah i will get newsworthy things out of yeah the clips that you have right what do you mean like where you'll sit down with a comedian and like they're they'll, talking about a. They'll talk about a project that right, hasn't right. talked about, or yeah, but I'm or saying you'll bring up a subject and they'll say something. And go, oh well, that's right, right, right. Yeah, but I, I yeah, but we're not doing like uh, you know whatever happened in the news this morning. So no. so it can live as a podcast. Yeah. But I just love it. it. I mean, the whole idea was let's have something, um, let's have something that's positive and upbeat and not covered in snark, and that celebrates and hangs with comedians. And I just that that to me was the appeal of doing the show because I you know my come the Papa show on Sirius was um, started as an interview show for uh, comedians you know similar to what you do oh right and right the, before it turned into a live radio variety show right exactly and um, I just got. Uh, you know, it, it's just it was hard booking people. <laughs> I just I went through so I went through everybody, and then it was like, you know, to get get other people was that that hassle of it. <laughs> so now I have somebody now who I know books that, it. <laughs> I know that all yeah, yeah, exactly. It's hard. It's really hard. It's the hardest part. Sitting and talking is a is a breeze, but actually getting together is that, that that's that the thing. A lot of work. I know, I know, and yeah. So. um so yeah, so I just love being with Fortune, and I, and it just you could tell like people are liking it, like you can feel it's mm-hmm. it's it's caught on. What have you learned about yourself and about comedy just from this past year of talking with comedians every day? Yeah, that's a good question. It's what's been really kind of cool is seeing how everybody handles their business. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's hustling, everyone's doing stuff, and everyone's you know to be on the show you have. You know, most of them have been around a bit and right. are pretty successful. And just to see how varied it is of like, and it, uh, it's kind of inspiring to see how everybody works and handles their business. And it's also um, the actual finances of handling a business, or just the, like the hustle, the like yeah, like you know, like like Joe Coy, for example, mm-hmm. comes in and he's got he's running like a corporation you know he's got like mm. a, a crew and a people and stuff and like uh, promoters and merch people and they tour with like five people and he's running a huge business and then we had maria bamford on uh just last week and she's she literally said uh i'm running a small business <laughs> i'm like i'm, I'm a small, small business owner very successful mm-hmm. hugely respected 
no interest in the model that Joe Coy is running. She's running it in a smaller thing, and both very successful, both very happy, and running totally different things within comedy. You know what I mean? So, yeah. and we have that wide, and then we have everybody in between. It's kind of a cool thing to see how people do and yet, it. And yet, how many comedians? Get into stand-up comedy thinking they're going to be small business owners. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Only Maria would would be able to figure out. But 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 that's the reality of yeah show business is that oh yeah I have to treat this as a business. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. You are your own business. I'm not, I'm not just an independent contractor. Yeah, and, and it's also cool. Is... the clock at the at the comedy cellar or the comedy store and going okay. I, did my 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. My spot <laughs> right. And I'm done. Where am I going this weekend? Yeah, no. I know. I know. It's... But the and the other cool thing is just to see how how comedians come in. It's like some people come in and they're just like they know they're, this is their opportunity to be on the radio for a half hour, an hour. And they just coming ready to perform in a way. And then other people come and they're just like. Just answering your questions with one word answers, you know what I mean? It's it's kind of funny. I mean, comedians are nuts. We're all nuts. So it's so so just to see having them all come in is always so interesting. Yeah, I've been to a couple of town halls recently. I don't know if you know the um, organization Comedy Gives Back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with uh, uh, Zoe Friedman, Amber J. Law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they've been holding these town halls about. Wondering like how how comedy gives back can actually give back to mm-hmm. comedians. Oh uh, yeah, the answers that they're getting are so varied. yeah. I'd imagine yeah, because everyone's weird and has Everything their own from needs. mental health to taxes to how do I get booked on a club? Yeah, like, well, <laughs> yeah, I know. Because comedians are clueless. They are. They're kind of clueless. Yeah, and yeah, and the more, but some are some are the best business people I've ever met. Some are like marketing geniuses. Yes. You know? And then others are, are comedic geniuses who can't pick up a phone and call anyone. And usually those two groups are, are uh, resentful of the other. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Because the marketing geniuses want to be known as comedic geniuses and not marketing geniuses. It's true. It's really and the, true. And the comedic geniuses want the money that the marketing geniuses yeah. have. So maybe you're, happy, maybe you're better off being somewhere in small to mid-sized business like Maria said. Well, that's where, like, coming back to you and the premise of your new special is, like, it's so important to just take a step back and realize everything is okay. And yeah. You're, you're doing great. I mean, you could be doing better. Right. you're doing. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I, look, yeah, totally. Look, you, it, that's what creates the drive, and that's what keeps you hustling, keeps you working, and it is, you know, competing, and all that stuff is cool. But that doesn't mean that you can't allow yourself... 10 minutes mm-hmm. <laughs> in a day to be like, I'm all right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So um, your daughters, if your daughters, have your daughters expressed any interest in comedy? No, but my young one is, my young one, I think probably could do it. Mm-hmm. She has like the social makeup for it and the uh, comedic. I mean, you and La- your wife both. Yeah, but she comedians. has, yeah, and she just has a, I don't think... She sees what I do and thinks that's appealing, but she has a disdain for authority, and she's funny enough probably mm-hmm. to do it. <laughs> the other one's, uh, I think, enjoys it, but I don't think she sees it as like in her nature. So, what do you tell them, or how do you, how do you counsel slash guide them 
through the process of figuring out how to be a success in whatever. Uh, in whatever. The, I think I just do it by example of letting them know that letting them know that uh, they've got to work. Like I just I I by example mm-hmm. I just want them to see that their father he's not hanging around playing video games and getting high. Like they when they see me, most of the time when they see me, I'm working. <laughs> I think that's the most important lesson. Well, thank you for uh, putting in the work of sitting with me. This I know is the this best. Is, this yeah. is not uh, leisure time for you. This is working. Time for <laughs> yeah, you. I got to go on the air. But uh, <laughs> but always good seeing you. I wish we had more time. Thank you so much, Tom. All right, thanks. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Gigglechick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Thanks first.